Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today for Wednesday, September 9th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, standing by with the latest news in Texas agriculture. The president of Mexico may appeal to President Trump regarding its water debt. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have more in a moment. Attracting people to rural properties front door. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Well, here we are into September. It's usually a planting month in Texas, but things may be different for us. So please join me, John Begno, as we talk about climate gardening. Plus, we'll have a look at the latest Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets. All of that coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Mexico owes the U.S. a huge water debt, but they're asking for more time to pay it. Jessica Domo reports. The president of Mexico says he may appeal to U.S. President Donald Trump regarding Mexico's water debt. Under a 1944 treaty, Mexico owes the United States around 345,000 acre-feet of water by October 24th. Per the treaty, during a five-year cycle, Mexico must deliver a minimum of 1.75 million acre-feet of water from six Mexican tributaries to the Rio Grande. In return, the U.S. delivers water from the Colorado River to Mexico. Mexico's water debt has become a political issue and led to protesting in some areas in northern Mexico. Mexico's president says he advocates paying the water debt and is asking his people to trust him. He said if there is a problem with a lack of water, he will appeal to President Trump or invite experts from the United Nations to audit the water payments. In July, the International Boundary and Water Commission asked the Mexican government to take immediate action to deliver the water to the Rio Grande. Farmers and cities in South Texas rely on the water to get them through the summer. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. With harvest getting underway in the panhandle, James Hunt tells us what farmers leave in the fields can be important. Obviously, farmers' focus during fall harvest is getting corn, sorghum, cotton, and other products out of the fields. But to maximize what their soil can provide them in future seasons, Dennis Coker, a Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist based in the Northwest Panhandle, says it's good to leave plant residue like stems, stalks, and roots in place and subsequently go with conservation tillage like strip till ahead of the next planting. Coker says conservation tillage can ultimately help enhance the soil's ability to absorb and hold water. These get to be big things, especially in this part of the world with a semi-arid environment. Coker says residue can also reduce erosion, gradually build organic matter in the soil, and even fight weed development. Shading of the ground serves to reduce the germination and emergence of weed seedlings, which leads to a reduced need for herbicide input. In Amarillo, I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Details of the second round of payments under the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program are expected this week. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue says USDA has finished writing the rules for this next round of aid, and an announcement will come any day now. The first round of CPAP payments covered losses through April 15th. 
Round two of the program is expected to compensate producers for losses experienced from April 15th through the end of 2020. Purdue says round two payments will go to the same commodities as the first round. He says there will not be any money for ethanol producers because he doesn't have the necessary authority from Congress to make those payments. The deadline to sign up for CFAP is this Friday, September 11th. Gated entrances to property are a big deal here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti tells us that gated entrances can really enhance the value of a rural property. For today's program, we're going to talk about enhancing property value through gated entrances. And we go to Tyler Jacobs, who joins us today from Wharton in uh, southeast Texas. He is a broker partner with Hall and Hall Partners LLP, which is uh, based in College Station. And Tyler, you're joining us again to talk about various uh, property uh, and land issues uh, out in the country in the rural areas of Texas. Let's talk about the, the considerations for building a gated entrance uh, into your property. Uh, there are a, a number of points you want to make. Uh, let's talk about uh, the first one. Go ahead. Tom, there's a lot of questions that get asked about enhancing property, as you said, and and one of the fastest way to enhance a property is by fencing it and building an entrance. And and what I try to advise people on is is set that criteria by the type of frontage or access that the property has. For example, I'm sitting on Highway 59 right now, and to notice a gate driving down Highway 59, it would have to be rather bold and have some presence and likely need some stone and a large overhead and those things to be seen because everybody is driving so fast and there's so many cars and it's so set off of the right-of-way. And then you can compare that to an entrance you might want to build on a small farm-to-market road. And, and that entrance might be a little less stated. And, and if you overbuild that one, it will almost become obtuse to the eye and maybe a little bit overwhelming because the traffic is slower. It's closer to the road. And I've seen that mistake before where you have this gigantic entrance and there's not enough distance to appreciate it from with the masonry arches and all those things or the timber arches. And and then even you can take that further. Well, what if I'm on a county road? Well, again, it kind of depends on the size and scenery and all those things. But on a county road, I'm probably going to make an entrance a whole lot simpler on a county road, not necessarily cheap but simpler visually as compared to to something on a major highway. And and then lastly, what if my property is at the end of a dead-end road? Is it the end of the county road or end of the easement? Well, then I might even make it almost as clean and understated as I can make it because everything is is forward-looking there. And then you've got some security issues you might want to consider on how big of a front door you want to put on your property and, and who you're inviting into your property by that suggestion. So there's lots of considerations to be made there. But again, I think it tracks pretty well with the type of frontage or access you have, trying to balance it to that a little bit, not only visually, but functionally, and then for security purposes. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September is the month to plant a fall garden here in Texas, but we should actually let the climate tell us when to plant, not the calendar. John Begnode has more from San Angelo. 
or we think of gardening as somewhat of a, an event that's a calendar event, but in reality, it's a climate event because what ne- normally happens is that it could be a little bit wet, a little bit dry, a little bit cooler, a little bit hotter, depending upon where you are in the state of Texas. So if we think of September 1 as the time we plant our fall vegetable gardens, you may rethink that because what may really be necessary is to hold off two weeks. You think about cool season vegetables, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, trying to get them up when temperatures are elevated is very difficult. Trying to keep plants wet, like when you're trying to transplant trees and shrubs in September, which is a great month to do that, by the way, you may just postpone it a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks is not going to make or break the survival of these plants. And in reality, just like the people up north know that if it's just perfect climate, kind of cool, a little bit cloudier than normal, you're going to get in a situation where plants will establish faster and grow off quicker. And you're not having to slave away with watering and, and just bear the heat in the case of hot like we are in the West Texas area. So postpone some of those events. But remember that September and early October are still some of the best times to transplant trees, start new trees, plant shrubs. You can change out to your cool season annuals and perennials, pansies, stocks, things like that. You can begin that when it starts to cool down and stays cool down. So just remember, now is a great time to plant, but watch the weather. Horticulturalist John Begno from San Angelo. The COVID-19 pandemic created a record gap between what consumers pay for beef and pork and the money received by farmers. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The farm-to-retail price spread is the difference between the cost a consumer pays versus what the farmer receives. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue says the pandemic drove beef and pork price spreads to record levels. If you look at the farm-to-retail price spread for beef, in June it was $5.21 per pound, and that is the highest it's been ever since the data was collected beginning back in 1970. You see a similar story in pork. So the farm-to-retail spread for pork hit its record in June at $3.00. Nevue says labor issues and meatpacking plants caused the increases. What we saw back in May and June was a decline in the dollars per pound that farmers were receiving for their animals. This was mainly driven by the labor issues that we saw in processing plants. This was basically creating a shortage of beef and pork on the market. So you saw the increase in prices at wholesale and retail level. But because you saw a constraint in processing capacity, which basically created an oversupply of animals on the market, that's why you saw the decline in the prices of animals as well. Nevue says processing capacity appears to be getting back to normal. Hopefully we're past the worst of it. There still is somewhat of a backlog of animals. Most people think we're pretty close to, at least in the cattle side of things, getting those feedlots relatively current. Given everything with COVID, it's hard to speak with any certainty, but I think we're, at least in terms of processing capacity, mostly relatively back to normal. Read more about the price spreads on the Market Intel page at FB.org. Michael Clements, Washington. It could soon be easier for landowners to clean up invasive aquatic species. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And Brahmin cattle may need less protein than other breeds. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a closer look at that coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. 
So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're raising Brahmin-type cattle, you may need to feed less protein than other breeds. Here's Dr. Bob Judd with more. Texas A&M is doing research on the nutritional requirements of Brahmin and non-Brahmin cattle breeds. Dr. Tyron Wickersham indicates that implementation of precision diet formulation can decrease the cost to produce beef and have a smaller environmental impact. It is believed developing feeding systems that account for differences in cattle type and breed will reduce over and under supplementation, which will allow improved feed efficiency and performance with less expense. Brahmin type cattle were selected under different conditions than European type cattle and thrive under different conditions, and these differences have not been addressed nutritionally. Wickersham indicates cattle provide a valuable service to society by converting low-quality nutrients into beef, which is a high-quality source of amino acids, minerals, and vitamins. It is believed that reducing the amount of protein fed by 10% potentially reduces the nitrogen excretion by 22 pounds per head per year. Wickersham is now doing research supported by an almost $500,000 grant from the USDA to determine subspecies differences in urea cycling in response to supplementation. Improper supplementation has environmental and economic cost, which ultimately decreases affordability of beef for consumers. Supplements are expensive, and by developing feeding systems that account for differences in cattle type, we can reduce environmental effects and not affect the nutritional status. The goal is to find the correct amount of protein needed by each breed and decrease over and under supplementation. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It could soon be easier for landowners to clean up invasive aquatic species. Jessica Domel explains. Earlier this week, we told you about a proposal that would address current and potential future threats posed by exotic aquatic species in Texas. Under the proposal, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department would add four fish, the golden mussel, and two invasive plants to the controlled exotic aquatic species list. Having the species on that list would expand protections against their transport. Monica McGarity, TPWD Senior Scientist for Aquatic Invasive Species Management for the Inland Fisheries Division, says in addition adding the seven species to the list, the proposal would change the rules regarding possession of exotic species. Currently, fish and shellfish must be beheaded or gutted upon possession. We're proposing to allow additional methods to dispatch controlled exotic species, including placing most species on ice. We're also proposing to allow lake or pond front landowners to possess zebra mussels and apple snails that foul shorelines, docks, and water pumps for the purposes of disposal, provided they're contained in a secure manner, prescribed manner for transport. Currently, 
An exotic vegetation removal permit is required to possess and dispose of controlled exotic aquatic plants that are found around docks and shorelines on both private ponds and public waters, even for someone who's simply raking these plants onto their property for drying or composting. We're proposing to eliminate this permit requirement, provided that the plants are securely contained in a prescribed manner for transport. Because businesses removing exotic aquatic plants for hire are likely to be transporting large quantities of plant material and therefore pose a higher risk, this type of activity would continue to require a permit. That was Monica McGarity from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We saw a lower trade today in the cattle market. Futures were sharply lower at midday. We did see some recovery heading into the close, but we still ended up in the red for the day. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market gave back all of the gains that we saw on Monday. We ended up closing lower across the board in the cattle complex on Tuesday. October live cattle down $1.07, 104.70. December down 97 cents, 109.15. February live cattle down 55 cents. 113.42. Feeder cattle lower October down $1.60, 138.25. November feeders down $1.77 at 138.95. Looking at the cash trade, things still quiet. No sales to report out in the country. Feedlots asking 105 this week. No bids reported from the packers so far. The online fed cattle exchange shut down. We normally sell on Wednesday, but they had some technical problems that caused the market to be postponed until they get all their technical issues fixed. Boxed beef prices lower choice down 68 cents to 24.14. Select boxes down 48 at 207.98. Let's look at a couple of livestock auctions. East Texas Livestock in Crockett sold 2,022 head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.60 to $1.84. Three to four weight steers, $1.41 to $1.82. Four to five weight steers brought $1.32 to $1.72 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.27 to $1.45, with six to seven hundred pounders bringing $1.16 to $1.43 a pound. Slaughter cows range from 44 to 67 cents. Slaughter bulls, 78 to 95 cents. Stocker cows, 790 to 1500 ahead. Cow calf pairs range from 1025 to 1575 a pair. Heading out to the Southern Plains, Lubbock Stockyards selling cattle yesterday. Three to four weight steers brought $1.50 to $1.65. Four to five weight steers, $1.40 to $1.65. 
Five to six weight steers, $1.35 to $1.50. Six to seven hundred pounders, $1.25 to $1.35. With seven to eight weight steers, bringing $1.15 to $1.25 a pound. Slaughtered cows, 42 to 64 cents. Slaughtered bulls, 75 to 85 cents. Cow-calf pairs range from 700 to 985 a pair. And a quick look at the sheep market. San Angelo Producers Livestock Auction sold 5,994 head of sheep and goats yesterday. Compared to last week, the wooled feeder lambs were mostly steady. Slaughter hair lambs sold near steady. Slaughter ewes were firm. The kid goats 10 to 25 lower. Slaughter nannies, a dollar to a dollar fifty, mostly one ten to one thirty-five. Mature billies brought a dollar seventy to two ten. Wold feeder lambs range from a dollar thirty to two twenty-eight. Slaughter lambs, the lighter weights bringing a dollar ninety to two seventy, with the heavier weight slaughter lambs bringing a dollar forty to two ten. Slaughter use fifty to ninety-eight cents. Kid goats two twenty to three twelve, mostly in the two sixty to two ninety range. Back over to the board to check the hog market. Lean hogs closing higher. October up a dollar forty-seven, sixty-one thirty-seven. December hogs up dollar seventeen at fifty-nine eighty-five. Milk was lower. October class three milk down twenty-five cents, eighteen fifty-six a hundredweight. The cotton market closed slightly higher, USDA releasing its weekly crop condition report showing the national cotton crop standing at 45% good to excellent. That's up a notch from its prior 44% last week. Here in Texas, the cotton crop rated 29% good to excellent. That's unchanged from a week ago. We close with October cotton up 16 points, 63.35. December cotton up 18, 64.20. The wheat market stabilizing after losing ground the last few sessions. December wheat up one and a half, 471 a bushel. New crop July wheat up two, closing at 496 and a half. December corn down one and a half, 360 and a quarter. In the energy markets, October natural gas unchanged at 239. October crude oil up a dollar 25, 3801 a barrel. Well, that is a complete rundown of the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for all the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.